So what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the What's Goody podcast. I have a very special guest today, Danielle Hamilton. What's up? Hey, Logan. How's it going? It's going good. So um, you are now in Texas. I'm just going to start I off am. the podcast like that. You're in Texas now. How are you liking it? I love Austin. It is amazing to be surrounded by like-minded people. Biohackers have all these amazing choices for gyms and there's like a cold plunge and a sauna in my gym. And then there's like amazing yoga studios. And like, I just got takeout. I never get takeout, but there's like seed oil free restaurants all over. And yeah. it's just amazing. And the people are, it's so nice to meet like-minded people. And, you know, like we're wearing blue blockers and we have CGMs on and we don't want to drink alcohol. We want to go home early. I'm like, yes, this is my kind of party. <laughs> so no, it's yeah. been awesome. No, Austin is so cool. That's what I love about it. Like, it is so easy to find your tribe in Austin. Like, there is a tribe for anybody. Whatever you're into, whatever you're you're doing, there's a group of Austinites doing it, and they will be more than willing to accept you. Um, and there's just so many like cool people and also like one our good friend brian sanders he has his sapien center which again is super dope they're always having events there and they have like cold plunges and saunas and it's like it's so cool now i, I do, do a mastermind see, there yeah oh yeah yeah you do mastermind yeah last time i was there yeah. um mike Munsell did a uh a mastermind so there's always just awesome. super cool people there uh, that i really love um and then Okay, so I definitely want to talk about Austin more, but let's talk about your gym first because I saw you started working out at the Onnit gym. Yeah, Aubrey Marcus's gym. It's awesome. They have really great classes, functional fitness classes. They do, I, I don't have this membership, but they have like a small group personal training thing. And I walked in there and when I had lived in Orlando, there's like all these big box gyms and it's like, it really gets kind of hard to motivate yourself to work out and like, a 24 hour fitness or a U fit. And you know, it's, it's just the basics and it's okay. Like at least at this last gym I was at, there were some sleds and it's like, okay, something functional here. You know, it's, it's kind of fun. They, but you go into on it and it's just like a playground. There's steel maces, there's sleds, there's kettlebells. There's like these, I don't know. It's just so much fun. It's really, really cool to train like that. And all the, the classes, they have a primal tools class and sometimes it'll be like more animal flow. And sometimes it'll be just using all these different things that I've never used before, but it's really cool. Always different. Nice to not always have to think about what I want to plan in my workout. So it, and people are just so friendly. So I really like that aspect too. Yeah. It looks super dope. I've never actually trained there. I've been there a couple of times when it first opened but never trained just kind of walked around looked around and but again that was like years ago i'm talking like maybe 2017 maybe 18 so it was quite quite a bit of years ago um has anybody walked in that you're like oh my gosh because aubrey marcus obviously knows a lot of people like he's i mean i'm gonna say he's, he's pretty much famous um yeah. he's like friends with rogan and like i know people that travel to austin like celebrities will when they're looking for a gym and they obviously know Rogan. They'll go and stop at his gym. Has have you seen Rogan, or have you seen anybody pop in just randomly? No, I haven't. But um, no, I, I I haven't. But I have definitely felt like the weakest link in that gym before. 
So I'm just like, you know, everyone is super freaking fit who goes to that gym. I'm just like, oh, crap, I got to step up my game. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's good. It's really motivating. That's good. That's good. And that's what, you know, it's what it's all about. And I try to like tell people that a lot on my, you know, my channels is like, look, when I first got in the gym, guys, I was level zero. So you mm -hmm. may see me now like, oh, he's a bodybuilder. He's been doing this for years. And yeah, I have. But there was a time when I was walking to the gym, super intimidated. You know, I felt like the, the, the lowest guy on the totem pole, like didn't know how to work out. I didn't know what splits were. I didn't know how to train. I'm just literally just hopping from machine to machine when I would mm -hmm. go to the gym, like most people do, right? That don't know anything about training. They just get in the gym and they just go from machine to machine. And so I always like, like to share that story because I, I want people to like go to the gym. Yes, it's intimidating, but I promise you, nobody's looking at you. Nobody cares. And the only way you're going to get over that feeling of being scared or intimidated is to keep going. Over time, eventually, I knew how to work out. I learned how to do splits. And then I kind of picked what trying to, kind of training method I liked and fell in love with. And I was like, okay, I'm going to train bodybuilding. I really like this. And I got better. But the only way you're going to get good at it is you got to start and you got to keep going. So that's one thing, especially for like, you know, women like my mom or my aunts or my cousins. They're like, oh, Logan, I'm scared to go to the gym. There's like really big guys there and they're grunting. And I'm like, I promise <laughs> you, just just go like they don't know what these no one's looking at, you no one cares. So I'm really glad to see you found a gym. And that's a really amazing gym. If, if on it was a little bit closer to me, I would probably pick that gym as well. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yep. So, okay, you found how that Austin is like super like fit and healthy, and that's that's kind of crazy that you're able to find like takeout that with companies that don't, are not using seed oils. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, wow. Yeah, it really is. It is very rare nowadays. Um, there is an app called Seed Oil Scout that you can get, and they tell you you know which restaurants don't have seed oils, but it's it's just so rare that you can go out and find places that don't have it because most places, even if they cook with olive oil, like even at fancy Italian restaurants, they're cutting that olive oil with seed oils. So it's pretty, wow. it's pretty <laughs> crappy because you're still never getting, and then you can't even really trust the butter in some places because they say it's butter quote, but it's like, extra yellow, like really buttery. I'm like, what kind of butter? Like it, that's coming from a factory, you know, it's, yeah. it's, there's probably not, um, it's probably not, you know, Kerrygold or something like that. So yeah. it, it is hard to go out and not get seed oiled, but there are some things that you can do at restaurants to try to avoid it. You can say that you're allergic to, you know, soybean oil, the canola oil, asquit oil that people that they cook their food in. You can try to avoid things like different sauces, like a mayo is always going to be made with vegetable oils. So it's, it's challenging, but you can try to find the best, best options or just try not to get something that's been like fried or is like soaked in, in oil. Question I was asking was, can you tell my audience about the, the harms of seed oils? Like, why are they bad? And why are not, why are like, why is there not more people talking about it? Like, I feel like over the last maybe year or so that you're really starting to pick up a lot of people talking about the, you know, how bad seed oils are, but tell me and tell my audience why they're so harmful. 
Yeah. So these oils are, you have to go back to how they're made. So the canola, like canola oil, it's made from the rapeseed plant and it's, it was so high in this stuff called uric acid that they found a way to like make it without that because if you make it with that, it's, it will kill you. And so the, the way that they process it, they're refined, they're bleached, they're degummed. There's like hexane and solvents and they're heated to these ex- extreme temperatures. There's a video on YouTube called how canola oil is made. So if you really want to get grossed out and they, they advertise it as like this healthy oil, and then they go into the process in this factory and it's disgusting. And so what happens is that these oils are super high in this specific type of fat called linoleic acid, which is very inflammatory. It, and they're the chemical structure, they're called polyunsaturated fatty acids. So basically to go into like a little bit of super basic science, because I'm not a scientist, so let's keep it easy here. Um, Like when you have saturated fats, that means all there's all like double bonds. So the fats lay in these nice sort of lines and they sort of all fit together really well. And that's why saturated fats, fats that are mostly saturated are solid at room temperature because they're the most stable because they don't have these missing bonds where it can easily break basically. So think about it like Lego pieces, like all together, right? So they lay nicely. They're solid at room temperature. Those are really great for cooking because the heat isn't going to damage them as much as it would another type of oil. Then there's these monounsaturated fats like olive oil and avocado oil, and they just have one, the mono, missing like double bond. So they can break a little bit more easily with heat and light. And they actually will uh, get hardened in the refrigerator. Um, But that's how you can sort of tell the difference between them. But these polyunsaturated fats have a bunch of places where they're missing these double bonds. And that just essentially makes them very unstable. So with light and heat exposure, like even when they're being processed or when they're sitting under the grocery store lights in a clear plastic bottle, they what happens is these bonds will just easily break and that leaves them to be these free radicals. So um, they will really easily oxidize us. We always hear we need antioxidants, but this is actually causing oxidation, oxidative stress, which is increasing the amount of free radicals and increasing our inflammation. And they actually inflame the receptors on the cell for insulin. So that's also how they drive insulin resistance. They incorporate themselves into your fat cells and then make it harder for you to burn your own fat as energy. So it really gets in the way of this process. So I work with a lot of people who have um, hypoglycemia and reactive hypoglycemia where their blood sugar is dropping a lot. And one of the most important things is to get them and and other people in the United States and in, in the world as well need to be able to do this, but to burn their own body fat for fuel. So they stop being so dependent on like what their blood sugar is doing, because if your blood yeah. sugar is crashing all the time, like that's showing that your body is not able to access another type of fuel source. And so when you have these polyunsaturated fats, they're they're increasing our risk for all sorts of diseases. They're linked to all sorts of, you know, cancer and inflammatory issues. So they're just horrible. They're, it's actually, I would actually rather have my, um, 
myself or my students be eating sugar than these things. That's how bad they are. And um, I know uh, Ben Azadi, um, probably a mutual friend or um, colleague, he he interviewed Kate Shanahan, who does a a deep dive on these oils and everything. She's got a great, a lot of good information on her website about it. But she says that it's worse to have these vegetable oils than to smoke and have sugar. Like that's how bad these are because they stay in your body for like something like two and a half years, like the half-life or something is two and a half years. So they're not even out by that time. Uh, It just, they, they really incorporate themselves into your cells. And so if, if every, every single cell in our body is surrounded by this layer of fat and cholesterol, and we need to have this very like, strong, but flexible and very also smart, like cell membrane. So it knows what to keep out and, and what to bring in. And, you know, from the cellular level, we have to have good, strong cells. And so if our cells are made out of these polyunsaturated damaged fats that have been heated and oxidized and all these things, we're not going to have healthy cells. And without healthy cells, you can't build healthy tissues. Without healthy tissues, you can't build healthy organs. Without healthy organs, you don't have a healthy body. So it goes back to the layer of the cell, um, which is hard for us to sort of conceptualize, but just it's they're inflammatory and they F you up. <laughs> Let's yeah. put it like that. Yeah, no, it's, and it's, it's, again, it's something that I know a lot of people are bringing to the forefront over the last, you know, year, two years, but unfortunately like especially in my culture danielle like they don't know about it and and quite frankly a a lot of my culture like you know cook a lot of their foods with it and corn oil yeah exactly like i cannot go to any of my aunt's house my uncle's house without opening their pantry and find a huge uh plastic jug of canola masala yeah or it's just it's just part of our culture rice beans tortillas everything like that's what they cook everything eggs Mm -hmm. it it, and i try to tell my family members obviously like you got to change you got to change the stuff and again Mm -hmm. it's they've been tricked by the industry right when i tell them use butter use use uh lard use um Mm -hmm. ghee they're like oh i thought that was bad for you isn't that bad like why would i use that i'm like no but um yeah no it's it's one of those things it's frustrating because you want to help your loved ones but yeah they just don't know how how harmful harmful these things are because like you said the industry has been telling them lies for years and years right it's supposed yeah. to be a healthier alternative and it just couldn't be further from the truth so yeah i want to talk logan about- um I, I just thought it would be helpful i forgot that i didn't name all the vegetable oils so i thought that just yeah I, that would probably please. be something important to say so there's three C's, three S's, and then there's three compound words. That's how I keep them all in my brain. So canola, corn, bean, cotton seed, no, canola, corn, cotton seed, soybean, sunflower, safflower, and then the compound words, grape seed, rape seed, and rice bran. So those are the vegetable oils, okay? And, um, you know, olive oil is not a vegetable oil. We say vegetable oils, we say seed oils. They're not vegetables, <laughs> but yes. they are mostly seeds. So it's, they're just inflammatory, high, like highly, highly ultra processed oils that are made in factories. And if we think about how is olive oil made, we might not know because we are present day, we're very removed from our food system, but with olive oil, 
you press the olive and get the, the, <laughs> you know, you get the oil out of it and then you maybe will sift it or whatever you strain it, you know, filter it yeah. with coconut oil, same concept. We're crushing those coconuts and we're, we're squeezing the oil out of it. It's like a, a physical process but you actually don't need a factory to make this. And so if you think about our food as, could I make this at home? Or does this have to be made in a factory in order to be edible? That's a really good way. That's a really good place to start with looking at, should I eat this food or should I not eat this food? So most of the time, that it's like a good general rule of thumb. It's like, I can't be making, you know, I can't make that, you know, yeah. some of the exceptions are things like, you know, a protein powder, but it's like, you know, how good are the, how good are these things for us? I would say that maybe they're not fully optimal, but yeah. you know, we do live in a modern world. We're not yeah. cave people. We have more stress. We have, you know, there's depleted soils and things like that. So there are things that, benefits from different things that we supplement with. But in terms of what we should eat as our regular diet, probably things that we can make at home, you know, or if it's like, oh, this jar of sauce and it has tomatoes, extra virgin olive oil, salt, and pepper and onion. It's like, okay, I could make that at home. I'm just going to save time by not making it at home. Yeah. So this, this concept of, you know, looking at food labels and the second I buy something, I before I buy it, I flip it around and read the label. And it's like, I think about, can I make this at home? Is this just saving me time to buy it here? Or does this seriously need to be made in a factory? And if, if the answer is the factory, chances are it's not going to be good for you, no matter how they market it, no matter what they claim on the front, like no cholesterol, omega-3s, gluten-free, like you could say that about cocaine. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, where are we going with this? <laughs> yes. No, you're right. Yeah. I in a lot, what I tell a lot of my clients is, you know, good bad good food goes bad. Like it's okay. Like if your food can last for a couple of months, probably you know it's probably not it's probably not something you should be eating. You know, like you know, I I always tell my clients, you know, stick to the the five protein sources, which is eggs, chicken, beef, fish. Um, you know, those are the ones I want to, I want people to stick with. And like, unfortunately those things will go bad quickly if you don't freeze yeah. them. Um, same thing for vegetables. Uh, and so, you know, picking the right foods and it's okay that, uh, the foods only last a couple of days. That's actually a good thing. And I get, it can be inconvenient at sometimes, you know, we do live in a modern world and people like to buy things and keep things for a long period of time, shelf life wise, but it's not always the best. Like how many healthy things can you find in a pantry? It's yeah. if you, I mean, let's just be real. You you open up most people's pantry doors, it's going to be chips and snacks and everything's wrapped up in bags and, and boxes. And it's just quick junk. Nothing yeah. that, you know, that, that people should be eating all the time. I always say stick to the refrigerator. But again, that's just uh, something I always like yeah. to tell my clients. But uh, one thing no, I that's wanna... a really good, that's a good concept to think about. Like, Stuff in pantries, like my pantry, I'm thinking about, okay, what's in my pantry? Bunch of supplements, a lot of cat food, <laughs> spices, <laughs> yes. and some staples. Like I have, you know, some like, cre I'm, I'm just thinking like creatine. Okay, no, that's a supplement. Um, <laughs> um, some protein powders, but 
not really much, like a bar of dark, dark chocolate. Like I don't really yeah. have that much stuff in there. Maybe a can of tin of sardines, uh, but nothing really, everything I eat, I have to make. <laughs> and it is a yes. pain in the neck, but you just get fast at cooking. You get real fast at cooking and you get, you have to, and you learn to realize that this is something that's going to nourish me. I don't need to have the world's best meal at every time, every time I'm yeah. eating. It's like, I want to eat to feel good and I want to feel energized. And that sometimes means I got to, you know, eat the cold leftovers because that's what there is. And that's, what's going to get me through. <laughs> yeah. And you're and like, I tell people like you're going to pay for it now. I mean, you're going to pay for, if you don't, if you don't do it now, you're going to pay for it later. Right? Like, if you're not taking care of your body, and this is what I, you know, I tell so many people, it's like, look, if your phone breaks, go get another phone. Your shoes wear out, go get another shoe. Um, but your body, you have one body and you need to take care of it. Okay. So there's, you're either going to do what it need, what you need to do, eat the, I guess, unpleasant, healthy food, which again, kind of blows my mind because healthy food does not have to taste like crap. You just need to learn how to cook. You need to invest and learning about spices and herbs and i promise you chicken and cauliflower rice can taste can taste wonderful if you learn what spices and herbs to use for it right like everything everything healthy can taste just as good as i guess whatever fast food or what people tend to go with which again if you think about it, like i don't understand how home-cooked food from home does not taste better i don't understand how people think like that does not taste better than taco bell or wendy's or mcdonald's or some yeah i, I don't know I, it's, I, these, sometimes I don't it's get these it. chemicals and these additives and things that just hijack your brain in these you know ultra processed foods and the fast foods they have food scientists there and you know access to all these crazy chemicals that it just lights up your brain like a pinball machine so when you eat real food it's different it's a different good. It's like a, it's that like nourishing good, you know, it, it feels good in your body and your brain. It's not just this like hyper palatable, like you see those videos on, on Instagram where like a little kid gets a bite of something like a little baby and they get mm -hmm. like a bite of something like ice cream and their eyes bug out of their head. Like, and they're like, Oh my God, that is a, that's like an unnatural thing. Like that's, yeah. that's hijacking human's physiology and our brain so it's it's not it's not the same and when you get off of those foods your palate totally changes your like stuff nowadays is so 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 sweet there's so much sugar in everything because everyone's palates are trained so sweet that everything tastes way too sweet to me because i don't need that much sweetness i can taste yeah. sweetness in vegetables because that's what happens when you when you take this stuff out for a period of time it you just you do adjust to it it's not like this constant oh i have to battle not eating this it's not like every day i have to yeah. use harness my willpower to say no to x because once you get your blood sugar stabilized which we can definitely talk about but when you get your blood sugar stabilized and your body is able to tap into stored body fat so it has access to continued energy and you're not being driven to like have you're not being driven to eat and have all these cravings because your body is sensing this energy crisis because your blood sugar is going down like that's what we're working against when we're not 
in that healthy space because our blood sugar is crashing all over. Our palate is trained to seek these hyper palatable foods. Our gut bacteria is all like, give me sugar, give me sugar. And there's billions of them and there's only one of you. So that's what you're kind of working against at the beginning. And then once you do the work to stabilize your blood sugar, become metabolically flexible, fix the balance of bacteria in your gut and get off of the processed foods by sometimes it's just strict, you know, abstinence, but it gets easier. It gets so much easier. Then all of a sudden you're like, you don't even look at stuff the same. Like I was a person, I grew up on breakfast cereals and I, like my middle name was special K. Like I used to eat that, but I had to have the healthy cereals a, a lot yeah, of right. times, you know, the quote, I'm, I'm using quotes here, quote, healthy cereals. And I mean, granola bars and Eggo waffles. And if it was a breakfast processed breakfast food in a box, it had my name on it. That's what I grew up on. And so I had all these blood sugar issues and I didn't know it at all. I just thought I quote, had a sweet tooth. And I thought that that was part of my personality. And I was just the hangry girl. And like, I thought these were personality traits. I thought I was a breakfast person because I used to wake up and need to eat breakfast right away. No, I was shaky and hypoglycemic. My blood sugar was super low from not eating all night because my body couldn't tap into any stored fuel, like yeah. stored sugar in my liver or stored body fat. So my blood sugar was going down. I'd wake up shaking and be like, oh, I'm just such a breakfast person. I just need to eat breakfast. And it was like, no, these things are not permanent. They're blood sugar issues. And I didn't know that for so long. So I was just, I, I didn't even pay attention to the sugar that I ate because I was doing like the whole grain bread and I was doing low fat and I was doing like, I wouldn't eat fast food, but still a lot of packaged foods. And then I did paleo and that healed a lot of things in my body. Like I got rid of allergies, asthma, sinus infections, all sorts of stuff. But I still never paid attention to carbs because it just wasn't on my radar. And so I just sort of my sweet tooth, quote unquote, from my standard American diet got a, put into paleo. And so then I was having acai bowls and fruit smoothies and a whole sweet potato with my meal. And I mean, I'm only five feet one on a good day, you know, so <laughs> there's a whole giant. I mean, you see sweet potatoes. They're like the size of my arm, like yes. the size of a, a small baby. So yes. I'm eating a whole sweet potato with a meal or a whole plantain or a bag of plantain chips or a kombucha or a Lara bar. So then all of my sweet cravings just transferred into paleo. And I thought, yeah. well, this is natural sugar. So this is totally fine. Like I just felt like I had a hall pass to eat whatever I wanted, but I didn't realize like I started gaining weight on paleo. I started having breakouts on paleo. I started having um, my, I missed my period for six months. Like I was having all these hormonal issues. I was, I was so tired all the time. I was like, what the heck is just happening? Because this diet really just healed me. So how is it possible that I'm getting like sicker in this, in this yeah. weird way? And it took me years. Well, then I figured out I had polycystic ovarian syndrome. It's in, in about 10% of women have it. It's very common, but I, so then I was trying to fix all my hormones because it was indicating I had this hormone problem and I was trying to take all these supplements and do all these things and nothing happened. And it wasn't until years later, I heard someone say PCOS is the diabetes of the ovaries that I almost like, I freaked out. It changed my life forever hearing that because I was like, diabetes doesn't that have to do with blood sugar. 
And it was the first time I ever thought of blood sugar in my whole life. <laughs> I was like, I didn't think I had to pay attention to that because I'm not diabetic. So I didn't, I was like, blood sugar, like, I don't care about that. Like, that doesn't interest me. It was frankly confusing and boring. So I didn't really want to learn about it. <laughs> so I was like, I don't want to learn about this stuff. But then I realized I had to. And then all of a sudden, it started making sense. Like, oh, I'm waking up hypoglycemic. My blood sugar is crashing. That's why I'm shaky. Oh, I have to eat all day long because I'm afraid of being hungry because it's not hunger. It's a blood sugar crash. Oh, now I understand why I find myself eating before I leave the house, even if it's to go out to eat, because I'm afraid that if it takes too long to like for the food to come, or if we have to wait for a table that the hunger is going to take me down because I don't like the hunger because it feels really bad in my body because it feels like anxiety. It feels shaky. I feel panicky because it's a blood sugar crash. And I didn't realize all of a sudden it was like, oh, I have a sweet tooth because my body has too much insulin in it right now. And it can't get everything into the cells where it needs to go that my body is continuing to crave sugar because my blood sugar keeps going up and down and it's sending me all these cravings. Like all of a sudden, everything started making sense. And I was like, oh my goodness, my whole life has been like sabotaged by my blood sugar and I didn't even realize it. And I didn't think I had to pay attention to it. So that was really life-changing information. And then on the other side of that, I learned how to stabilize my blood sugar, which, you know, we can talk about any of this, but uh, I learned how to stabilize my blood sugar. And all of a sudden I effortlessly stopped snacking, stopped. I, I used to binge eat, stopped binging without, you know, like healing my relationship with food. Because for me, it was like meaning like doing this deep emotional mental work. Like it was just straight up physiological for me. Um, my relationship with food did heal though. I went from being a total abstainer to someone who can now moderate. Like if mm -hmm. you put me in a room with a bag of dark chocolate chips, they'd be gone. You know, like, <laughs> yes. like I used to, <laughs> I used to be babysitting and like take a clean spoon and find a can of frosting in their house and like get the clean spoon and like get a thing of frosting. I'm like, okay, let me just get one more. So I get another clean spoon, get more. Fro I mean, huge scoops of this. I'd, I'd eat their whole freaking frosting. Like this is like, I, that is what I used to do. And I used to feel so much shame about it. I could not like, I used to closet eat. I was so afraid and embarrassed about it because I felt like I couldn't stop. I felt like I'd see, you know, a, a let's say a bowl of chocolates or like a, a tray of cookies it took over my brain. I couldn't yeah. think about anything except like, can I have the, like, okay, I'll just have one cook cookie. And okay. If I work out, okay, maybe I can have two cookies, but then I'm going to want more. And then I'm, it, it was like this, this, the food noise, I call it my sugar dragon was just dictating <laughs> everything. He wouldn't shut up. He was like, go to the store and get something with chocolate, but not too much. Cause you know, you're going to have the whole thing. It's like, dude, shut up. And so once you stabilize your blood sugar, all that food noise quiets down and you're like, oh, I have time to think about something else. I don't have to yes. battle the sugar dragon every day. Like it's amazing. So your blood sugar can be working for you or against you in a big, big way. <laughs> well, well, tell me this for beginners, like, for, like, okay, I, I always like to use my mom as an example. I, we always do that, uh, especially here at BioCoach. Um, how would you get someone like my mom? to start tracking blood sugar, right? She's never done it before. She knows nothing about blood sugar. 
she she saw your podcast or she heard your podcast she saw you on instagram and, and, and everything that you're just saying she's like oh my god i can relate so where would she get started how does she get started yeah, that's a great question. So my favorite tool for understanding all this, because it takes all the guesswork out, is putting on a continuous glucose monitor um, or, you know, using BioCoach to measure your blood sugar. I love the idea that we can see this, this graph throughout the day that we, you know, you scan it on your phone and you can see like, oh my goodness, I just ate this meal and this is what's happening. So you can start with the BioCoach meter testing like you do on your um, Instagram. You test right before you eat. And then you test, I like to do every 30 minutes for the next two hours. And so you can get an idea of what your blood sugar is doing. And so basically the, the rule of thumb is we don't want our blood sugar to really go up more than 30 points at a meal. That's just a general rule. So if we stick, start with that pretty easy, then we can see like, oh my goodness, I just ate this meal and my blood sugar went up like 70 points. Okay. Well then that's not really a, a good a good thing for you. And then what I want you to start doing is look at this graph and see what's happening. Just get a good idea. Don't change anything yet. Just observe, see what your natural diet, what you typically do, what the heck it's been doing to your blood sugar all this time. Right. And then start to feel deeply into like, how do I feel instead of like, Oh, I've got a headache. Let me grab some ibuprofen. Think about it. I have a headache. What's my blood sugar doing? Oh, my blood sugar is dropping really fast, right? So we tend to self-medicate with food, with caffeine, with ibuprofen, with sleeping pills, with uppers, with downers. Like we're, we're self-medicating all the time. And so if we stop and pause and we think like, how do I feel? I woke up. I feel really tired. What happened? What did my blood sugar do last night? Oh, I had a crash in the middle of the night and I woke up. And my heart was pounding because my body pumped me with stress hormones to make new blood sugar. And so I didn't get a very good sleep. So now I'm tired in the morning. Okay, my blood sugar is crashing overnight. You know, we logged that information. Then we're looking, okay, I ate a breakfast. I had oatmeal because I was told oatmeal was healthy. So I have oatmeal, you know, don't put a ton of sugar in it, but I have some oatmeal and then boom, huge spike. And it's like, wow, you know, maybe that's why I need to have a snack at 10 o'clock right? Maybe that's why I feel this crash in the morning and I need to reach for my second cup of caffeine. You know, like it starts to make sense. The picture starts to become clear of how much your blood sugar has been impacting your moods, your hunger levels, your energy levels, your sleep, your hormones, all of these things. It's impacted in such a big way. I get a ton of people and they tell me they have so much anxiety. They put a blood sugar monitor on and every time their blood sugar is dropping down or dropping down past a certain point too low, that for them is this trigger and they feel anxious. Why? Because their body is sensing that they're having an energy crisis. They're like, holy heck, we have no sugar left. You better pump us up with some sugar. Or yep. the body's just changing too quickly. The body doesn't like to change very fast, right? We've learned this word homeostasis and, you know, seventh grade biology or whatever. So it likes to maintain this like steady homeostasis. So if we drink a glass of orange juice, our blood sugar shoots up so quickly. And that quick change, the body's like, oh, I have to cut out counteract this really fast. So it shoots you with a bunch of insulin. And then you get this quick change the other way. And so we're having these changes that are too quick for our body. Yeah. So that feels really bad. So we've 
put on a glucose monitor or we're testing our blood sugar and we're looking at the numbers, we're looking at the patterns, we're looking at what spikes us. We're looking, does my blood sugar crash really low after I eat? Like, am I getting, you know, the, we're looking at the symptoms, right? And then what's really helpful to know is start to understand what general macronutrients make up foods. Because I think that this is what some people don't know. Like I have a cousin, very bright, bright person. She's like, oh, there's carbs in, in fruit. And I was just like, I can't, like, I don't know what people know anymore because I don't know yeah. what I knew before this, right? So yes, there's carbs in fruit. Fruits are mostly carbs. Vegetables are actually mostly carbs too, but actually most of those above ground vegetables are mostly fiber, which is a carbohydrate that doesn't spike our blood sugar. It actually slows it yeah. down. So these above ground vegetables are basically, we look at them as fiber. So things like broccoli, cauliflower, greens, um, even tomatoes, not, not that um, high in carbohydrates, spikes some people. But um, those types of vegetables are mostly fiber. Then we have starchy vegetables. So things like corn and sweet potatoes and regular potatoes and rutabagas and um, taro and all that kind of stuff, cassava. Yeah. These are starchy vegetables. So they contain a lot of starch, which breaks down once you it digests and turns into glucose, which is sugar. So basically those are big doses of sugar. And so fruits, starchy vegetables, those are high sources of carbohydrates. Um, meats, like you mentioned earlier, these are where we get our protein. And oftentimes protein is packaged in nature with fat. So if we think about a whole egg, a chicken thigh with the skin on, a steak, the, both the protein and fat, and they go together for a reason. They help digest each other. Like Protein helps to digest fat and vice versa. It's, it's, they just naturally come together in nature. Um, and then we have other fat sources, which would be things like nuts and seeds, um, fats and oils, and the fruit fats like avocados, coconuts, and olives, and then the fats that come from animal foods. So like egg yolks and like tallow and things like that. And then some other carbohydrates would be um, things like grains. So anything with like oats or wheat or barley or rye or rice, um, corn is actually a grain and the stuff that's made from them. So if we're not eating all whole foods, it might be like, wait, what else has, you know, carbs? Yeah. Like I wasn't eating whole grains when I used to eat a standard American diet, but I had things like granola bars and bread and crackers and like anything made out of flour basically is going to be high in carbs. Um, and then we have like added sugars. So like things like fruit juices or Gatorades or sodas yeah. and things like that. There's lots of added sugar. So just getting a general idea of like, what has fat, what has protein, what has carbs. So now we can start building a healthier plate, right? So on a plate, this, what I recommend is start off with protein. Protein is king. It is the most important macronutrient. <laughs> That's right. Um, we need protein because it's there for building and repairing. So yeah. we can't get around that. So fats and carbs are actually energy sources and we can play with these. We can play with these to like manipulate our, you know, body composition or things like that, but they're basically energy sources. So 
Protein is a non-negotiable. So fill your plate with a good source of animal protein. Look at Logan's Instagram videos for <laughs> for um, inspiration. And then for blood sugar purposes, it's really, really important to get good, healthy fats on that plate because fat doesn't impact our blood sugar, it actually helps to slow the release of the sugar into the system. So earlier we talked about how the body doesn't like fast changes. Well, if you put the fat, it sort of makes the sugar drip out a little bit more slowly. And so it's a calmer, more like blunted hill as opposed to like a steep mountain peak. And that feels better for the body and it helps us go longer between meals. And so putting a good source of fat, so I like fattier cuts of meat um, and then adding those fats that I talked about earlier. Dairy is also another um, good fat source. Um, if you tolerate it, I unfortunately don't, but getting those on your plate and then we can play with carb sources. And so that's also the order you wanna eat your food too. So we wanna get the proteins and fats, we wanna eat those first. We can also put those non-starchy fibrous vegetables in that up in there too, so eat those because that can slow down the absorption. And then we wanna save our carbohydrates for last in the meal because that actually helps it not hit the bloodstream so fast. And so we can reduce the size of that blood sugar spike, keeping our blood sugar more stable, which means we'll have more energy, less of a chance that we're gonna be like craving after a meal, having an energy crash and having these spikes that can, can really impact us. So I would say those would be the top simple strategies to get started. What do you think? <laughs> no, I, I love that. I love how you have a literally game plan like and you're not just throwing people in here and like all right so you're gonna do this 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 is all in one week i love how your first start off like let's just observe let's observe the blood sugar let's don't change anything i just want to see how it looks i want you to see how it looks so i yeah. am all for that i absolutely love how you go about that i love the steps and i i hear that and i'm like yeah, my mom can follow that for sure. Like that's easy <laughs> enough. That's simple enough. And so yes, I'm all for it. Now I do have one question. Now this may be controversial, but I follow another. Um, I don't know his name, but I, he's really big into blood sugar. He popped up on my feed to start following him, but he's very big on. I think he's a um a vegan is what I think he is. I think he's a vegan. So he's. I guess why he got grabbed my attention because he's. I'm not saying he's bashing people that eat meat or he's bashing people that say, oh, well, I heard if you do keto or you do low carb or eat high protein and meats, you're going to, you know, reverse type 2 diabetes and improve your, your blood sugar, which, you know, I do truly believe in. But he's like, oh, that's not true. You can do it the, the, the vegan way. And, and I'm going to show you how you can do get high carb, into low protein, yeah. low fat. Yeah. So there are people like they're the mastering diabetes people they um and some of them have type 1 diabetes there are people out there with type 1 diabetes eating like a very like just a plant-based diet no oil almost no fat and they are also healing their blood sugar or managing it very well if they have type 1 diabetes and i honestly don't know enough to say how this works, but I do know that the, that flip side can work. But I look at the choices of food and I think, okay, do I want to be eating fruits and vegetables all day long like a rabbit? <laughs> 
Or do I just want to eat a couple of times a day and eat like a really good steak or like I just had like a chicken, like this bowl, with like chicken, and all these vegetables and like this like sauce on it. it was so good. That's what I want to do. So I don't want to have something that's just going to like make me have to eat all the time. And also, I don't believe that a vegan diet is healthy for any human. And so I am very like for some reason it works for the blood sugar. I don't I didn't take the time to like learn that mechanism, but and and it honestly shocks me because the reverse also works so well. But I think that um for a lot of people, you know, how how nutrient dense meat is and to eat like meats as like the staple of our diet and then, you know, cut out some of these carbs. I think that works better for the majority of the population. So yeah. And for me personally, like I think a video popped up one time and it was like, Hey, how do you get enough protein eating the way you eat? Whether again, I, I, I don't want to say he's a vegan or a veg- I know he doesn't eat meat. I know that for sure. Um, and he like w- did a video of like everything he eats to get a hundred grams of protein in. And it was outrageous. Like I was like, dude, why would anybody want to eat that much crap? Um, just to get a hundred grams of protein in, which again, I'm different than most people, guys. I consider myself a wannabe bodybuilder. So I need to eat about 180 to 200 grams of protein in. So everything he just listed, I need to do double that. My, my, my belly would look like a bowling ball. Like there'd be no way that I can do it. Uh, but I've always been interested in that. I'm like, man, well, he's obviously got to know something, but I just, again, I guess it goes to preferences. And, and everybody's at different spots in their journey. Again, for me, guys, I don't eat the same way that I used to eat when I needed to reverse my type 2 diabetes, improve my insulin sensitivity, and reverse my obesity. Because I used to be a really big guy. If you guys have seen my Instagram pictures and videos, um, I was really big. But those were all because of the choices I made. I don't eat like that anymore because now I'm really focusing on just building muscle. I want to be a very, a very fit dad for my girls. And so I can, I'm able to handle those cars a lot, obviously a lot better than I used to, right? Because I have more muscle, building muscle, it's, it's, I'm, I'm able to handle the, the glucose a lot better. But I want to, you know, explain to my audience why building muscle is so important for reversing type 2 diabetes and improving your insulin sensitivity. Yeah, so that's a great question. Muscle is very metabolically active tissue. And if you think about it, we eat a meal and 80% of it, 80% of the glucose goes straight to the muscles. So if our mm-hmm. muscles are insulin sensitive, which we want, it goes, just fills right in. So you could probably do, you could crush a workout and then eat a plate with like a heaping portion of rice on it or something. And your blood sugar would be totally flat because you have such good insulin sensitivity and so much space for all that glucose to go. So the more muscle you have, the better your carb tolerance will be because you have more place to put it, which is amazing. So you can probably eat a ton more carbs than the average person um, and certainly than me. So it's really helpful for not only like longevity, um, it's really important as we age because after age of, the age of 35, we're already actively losing muscle. And I know we're b- both born in 86, so we're past 35. So yes. we're like working on not doing that. So it doesn't look like exactly. you're losing muscle. So that's great. Um, but yeah, we want 
to have a ton of muscle so that we can first off sensitize that muscle to insulin because muscle that's not used, it will become insulin resistant rather quickly. So if you sit around all day, you haven't gotten to the gym because you're not motivated like me sometimes, um, or if you just get too caught up in your work and you're like, ah, I, I don't have time. These are all my excuses. I'm just using my own excuses so nobody has to feel bad here. Um, that that you you're sitting around and you're not using your you know your glutes for a whole week or like you know your quads for a whole week. They become insulin resistant. I don't know the exact timeline, but they do, and so they're not sucking up glucose basically as much as they could be. So if we go and we work our muscles, you really want to work them to fatigue, to burnout. So the intensity of the workout really matters for sensitizing your muscles. And so we can do that. And that helps us also build muscles. And then it, they become like sponges for glucose. So we get the ability to eat a meal and have it not have this giant spike because we have a lot of good muscle tissue that's like ready to absorb it. And then it just fills up that muscle glycogen, which is just a form of stored sugar. And then we can use that in our workouts and things like that. So it's, it's really cool, but having more muscle means more insulin sensitivity, which is amazing. Good. I love to hear that. And especially mm -hmm. for women, women yeah. go lift weights. You're not going to get big and bulky. I promise you. <laughs> you, you have to try really like <laughs> Women think that if they pick up like a 20 pound dumbbell that they're just going to like pop into you, like what your body looks like. It's like, as if like we, yeah. we couldn't look like that. If we tried, we don't have yeah. the hormones to look like that. I, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I love it. I yeah. love it. Okay. I have one final question and this is sure. something that's really hot in our space or at least, you know, it's very popular, I guess, worldwide. And that is the GLP-1s, the Wagovis, the semiglutides, the Ozempic. What, what are your thoughts on them and, and what do you feel about them? And, and, and do you recommend them or like, you know, like what are your thoughts on the GLP-1s? So the GLP-1s, I think that first off, I think that if anyone is looking for like a quick fix and a magic pill, that doesn't exist if you're not also doing the work. So I think that if you were to take a GLP-1 and lose some weight and then go back to what you were doing, what is going to happen? You are going to regain the weight. I think that the benefits will come from maintaining a healthy lifestyle. So if someone is doing, quote, all the things and is working out, is stabilizing their blood sugar, they're not eating a ton of carbs, they're doing all these things, and their body is not letting go of weight. There's other avenues we can go down. Certainly, I'd look at that person's circadian health. I would look at their toxicity. I'd look at, are they in mold? I'd look at their stress levels. I'd look at their digestion. There's so many things that we can look into. But when there are a lot of people who have exhausted a lot of avenues and are still holding on to weight, and for those people, I think that the GLP-1s can be a helpful tool because these are not from the pharmaceutical industry. These are peptides. Like my friend, Natalie Nidham, she um, hosts the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. She talks about peptides all the time. And this is like our bodies 
peptides are made from things like we have receptors for them because they're tiny snippets of proteins. And so these things are not actually, we can't think of them as pharmaceutical drugs. The pharmaceutical companies just found them. Um, but they can like, yes, and they have pros and cons, just like any sort of pharmaceutical. But I think that for a certain type of person who's been exhausting all these options and is really struggling, it can be a helpful tool to help quiet that food noise, help. It does help with some leptin sensitivity, help with their blood sugar regulation. And so I think it can be a good tool. I also think that you need to before then or during that time, dial in these habits. And so when you come off of it, you have already locked in these habits and then your progress will stick. But if you're just a person who's like, I want to keep going to McDonald's. I don't give a you know shit about my how, you know, what I eat. I just want the magic pills so then I can keep eating. That's not a good candidate for this, right? Like that's that's sort of how I see it. I think that I don't want people to feel shamed for utilizing a peptide, which other people, tons of people use peptides. There's peptides like BPC-157, body protective compound. It helps you like regenerate faster. So if, if someone's using BPC-157 and getting a lot of benefit from it and able to like lift more because their body is repairing better, then why wouldn't, why would we like, why would we judge the person on like trisepatide when we wouldn't judge the person on GLP-1. So I think that it's gotten like, I, and maybe you're surprised to hear my stance on it. No, but I'm I, not. I, I'm going to let you, I want yeah. you to finish because I have my thoughts on it. And I want to okay. tell you somebody got really upset with me Ooh. yesterday, but please continue. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But yeah, so I think that um, like anything, there are pros and cons. And as long as you go in with informed consent and you are someone who is actively working on your health in all other ways, and this is a sort of supplement to that, something to help bridge the gap, right? Like we wouldn't tell someone like, no, you can't use crutches because that's not healing the root cause. Like, like okay, okay. You know, like it's, it's helpful. It's a tool. It is just yes. a tool. And so um, if you're de like you de dependent on it, it's your only tool, it's not going to work. So I think that you need to have a lot of other things and then also just know that there are those side effects. So like thinking about what is the least effective dose that I can take, like the smallest amount. Yes. So then I can be out and like, because it does reduce people's appetite a lot. They can lose muscle mass and they, because you're not able to eat as much. And so if you're not able to eat as much protein, you can't upkeep that muscle mass. And then, so you can have some negative side effects on the way out. So it's just knowing these things can help you make a better choice potentially. So I want to hear your story. Yeah. So as you guys know, if you follow me on Instagram, I've been making a lot of uh, posts about GLP ones mm -hmm. and I am on the pro side of them. Well, I guess I, I kind of stand where you are. Like, look, if you want, I'm not anybody to tell somebody to not take something, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to take uh, Wigovi, you know, um, Ozempic, a GLP one, by all means, take it. All I want to do is help people, right? Do it the right way, right? There's got to be some type of lifestyle change. There's got to be some type of exercise, resistance training. You have to be prioritizing protein because, mm -hmm. like you said, it's already suppressing your appetite. So you're going to be under eating. And mostly what people under eat 
is protein. And what did we just talk about? How important it is as you get older to maintain as much muscle mass as possible. So there have been some stats coming back from people that have been on these GLP-1s, and they're seeing this really bad stat that people are actually, they actually have more body fat than when they started taking Ozempic or a GLP-1. And the reason for that being is, yes, they lost weight, they actually gain more body fat. They lost more lean mass is what you absolutely don't want to do, right? So that's why, you know, here at BioCoach, uh, we work with a lot of clients and patients that are on gelp ones and we teach them to do it the right way, right? Like, yeah. like what we just said, prioritize protein, make sure you're getting enough macronutrients, make sure you're eating the right food. Stop doing what you're doing, you know, eating fast food and drinking and all that. We want, it, want you to start doing some type of resistance training. But I made a video yesterday and this lady got so upset. She's like, how can you be advertising these drugs? Oh my gosh, you completely changed. I'm going to unfollow you. And it was crazy because it was two people having a conversation about me in my comments, like that I changed and how can I be promoting this? I'm so awful. They missed the old goodie beats. And I'm like, guys, what are you talking about? I am who am I to tell people what they can and cannot do? I'm simply educating people and like, look, if you're going to do this, let me show you on ways that you can do this and get off of the drug. Number one, that's the most important thing, right? Like yeah. you, you don't want to take a drug or you don't want to take these forever. You eventually want to have an off ramp and let me show you how you can do that and not only get off this drug, but keep the same results long term, right? That's all I'm talking about. That's all I'm preaching. But I guess, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Again, you've been doing social it's, media enough. Like, you're not going to please everybody. People are going to no. get upset. And so that that's my thoughts on GLP-1s. I'm all for it. But another thing, I really want to get in contact with that person you were just talking about, peptides. Because I'll be the first one to say, I don't know a lot about peptides, but mm-hmm. I want to learn more. Because yeah. I've heard nothing but good things about them. Dr. Jamie Seaman, uh, who is actually our, um, our, 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 our person that we work with at BioCoach. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's our chief medical officer. Medical director. And she, she is um, really big on peptides. She loves them, right? And so yeah. I want to start incorporating uh, peptides into my daily supplements. And I've heard nothing but good things. Especially about the one that you just said, BP157. BPC157, yeah. They call it yes, the Wolverine I, peptide. I'm Logan. I mean, it's it's my peptide. It's, <laughs> it's I, I feel like I have to take it, right? Um, so yeah. that's the whole reason. For those of you who don't know, that is why I was named Logan. I actually, matter of fact, fun fact, for my real. dad was a huge Marvel character uh, fan. He really? Lo- Wolverine, Wolverine was his favorite character. And so he named me Logan after Wolverine. I know. So I always joke around with people like, I That's was named Logan before Logan was cool. So, yeah, there you um, go. But I would love to get in contact with that person because I want to learn more about it. Because I think, again, whatever I can do to right, build more muscle, feel better, live longer, um, yeah. I, 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 I want to take right? I want to incorporate that into mm-hmm. my lifestyle. So. Yeah. Peptides are very in this like whole anti-aging category because Mm -hmm. it's like, how do we, they're like, I feel like they're like supplements, like exponential supplements, like supplements on speed or something like that, because it's, they are, 
like supplements can help us in different ways, but these are go even beyond that to like really push our physiology in a different way, but they are naturally occurring. So they're mm -hmm. like BPC-157 is from this stuff that's in our stomach acid. So it's just, we, we already make BPC-157, but it's in much higher doses. So yeah. it can help in that way. And I think that yeah, just to kind of circle back to what we were talking about, I think that if someone wants to take a peptide to finally know what it's like to sort of quiet that that food noise, it's really, it is really powerful for a lot of people. And it is just a helpful experience for them to have because then again, coming off of it, it's like maybe going into ketosis is a good thing because that's also where I got a lot of quieted food noise, right? And so it it made sense that, oh, my blood sugar is stable and my my body has access to this unlimited fat store, you know, fat stores on my body. And it was just oh, this nice like feeling. So there's a lot of crossovers there, but not everyone loses a ton of weight on keto because we're toxic and we have, you know, that or we're over consuming fat or we're too stressed out or there's a plethora of reasons, but you know, it's, I think that it, again, can be a helpful tool, but it is just that it is a tool. It's not, you can't like live and die on that. Yeah. So yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. Danielle, I know you're super busy, so I don't want to take up more <laughs> of your, your evening. And I know you have so many options you can go eat at, or I'm probably sure you're going to cook them <laughs> home. But please tell my audience, please tell my followers where we can find more of you. Uh, yeah, so I hang out a lot on Instagram. My handle is Danielle Hamilton Health. That's also my website. And I have a podcast called Unlock the Sugar Shackles. So you can head on over there and listen as um, if you found this blood sugar stuff interesting and want to learn more and want to go deeper. And I, I try to make it fun and not boring and not sciencey, so we can all understand it because I'm not a biologist by trade. So I don't, I don't need to get in there. I just need to know the bare minimum. So I know how to put it into practice, how to feel better. And uh, yeah, I coach people in a program called Blood Sugar Mastery that I run about five times a year. So um, the next, the, our last round kind of just started. So we'll probably be doing something again around um the new year so look out for that as well love it love it i love everything you're doing danielle and like yeah when i found you i was like this 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 lady is amazing like every, the way <laughs> you explain it the way you break it down like i'm all for it absolutely love everything you're doing keep it up i'm a huge fan and now i can say we're friends now so like it's yes. like so cool like <laughs> followed you for a couple of months and then we became friends and now we hang out and now we live like practically neighbors so you're like gonna be a fellow texan here pretty soon so yep. you're gonna be an awesome night yeah pretty soon so hopefully you stay um yes thank you danielle and um i was a pleasure doing this and i cannot wait to do it again yeah awesome thanks for having me logan thanks everyone yes we'll see you bye all right bye bye